God's Word to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, and we're going to be starting in verse 22. And moving to the end of the chapter. Galatians 5.22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, prior to this list, we had saw the basically the, the fruits of the flesh. And that list was fairly extensive. It wasn't comprehensive. It didn't say everything uh, about the flesh, but it, it did start in with uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So Paul gives us a long list of things that the flesh desires. And now as we enter in to this, so the contra to the flesh is walking in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? And what's the byproduct of us walking in the Spirit as opposed to in the flesh? So Paul gives us this long list uh, in opposition to the flesh, the fruits of the Spirit. And I believe many of us probably have memorized or gone through this uh, section of Scripture quite often. Uh, I can't remember who I was listening to earlier, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago on this, and uh, he was talking to a biblical counselor. He said, you know, as soon as I open up my Bible, it goes right to Galatians 5, no matter what I do, you know, just like right there, we start going through the list of the flesh when I'm in biblical counseling, and then, hey, what's the, the fruit of the Spirit? This is what we should, this is how we should be living in the Spirit. This list isn't simply a list of self-improvement, a self-help, right? Many times we sort of fall into that, you know, how can I make myself better? I hear that quite often in many even Christian circles, you know, how can I correct? I just want to make myself a little better, right? That's my thing, I'm progressively better. I can do better with myself. You know, if I can get better at these things, this list that Paul lists out here, you know, I might be a better or a good person. This is not a complete list as well of the fruit of the Spirit. Spurgeon said, fruit comes only from a rooted abiding. I like that. Let me say it again. Fruit comes only from a rooted abiding. You know, if we're just trying to do this ourselves, you know, follow this long list in our own power, our own will, we're not rooted in anything, we're a, a tree that's just going to be easily toppled over. You know, I think I was talking about trees a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of the most amazing things that I see when I'm uh, up in the Rockies are these trees that are like almost on the side of a mountain, right, in a rocky cliff. Like, how's that tree there? 
You know, it's sort of surprising. You know, that, that tree is able to withstand, you know, 100 miles an hour wind that just gusts through there and everything. That tree has deep roots that you don't even see are able to go into those crags and sort of anchor itself. Uh, unlike maybe some trees that I saw during uh, Katrina when I went through the hurricane there, you know, those, tree, those roots were shallow. They didn't need to really go deep because the water was readily available. And a lot of those trees were toppled over very easily, even though they were large trees. So our fruit comes only from a rooted abiding, abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit. That's where we're rooted at. And we don't bear fruit unless we're rooted. The very first fruit that we see here is what? First fruit of the Spirit. Love, right. So the very first one is love. Do we think that's intentional? You think Paul lists this very first one, love? Think it's important? I think so. I think this is a, a very important one. It's sort of, if we're talking about roots, this sort of it grounds the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, love is... It refers to a self-sacrificial concern for others that manifests itself in action. Paul has already highlighted love as a means by which faith works to serve. We saw that in verses 5-6 and verse 13. Such love is rooted in the reality that the Son of God has loved us and given himself up for us. The ultimate sacrificial love. You know, um, thinking as a parent, you know, there's, as a dad, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my own family, even sacrificing my own self to protect them. Likewise, I'm a military member, you know, and I got, I got my, my guys underneath me. There wouldn't be anything I wouldn't do to rescue, to save, to put myself in front of fire to save my guys, right? That's a sacrificial love. Ultimately, the greatest sacrificial love we can think of is Christ. What he did on the cross. Even yet, while we were sinners, he went to the cross willfully. He loved us that much. And we can think of uh, great other scripture passages as well. 1 Corinthians 13, the long list of what love is. We often think of that being in uh, wedding ceremonies, but uh, it can be applied to us in our everyday practical life as well. And what did Christ say, I mean, what did Paul, sorry, mention before in verse 14? He said, love is the fulfillment of the law. Wow, we want to fulfill the law. Love God, love neighbor. Those are the fulfillment of the law. Now, I've mentioned time and time again, being obedient to the to the law does not save, but these should be this should bear fruit. This should be something that happens as to us as Christians. We should show obedience to the law. Love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul contrasts works of the flesh against true love. So we see, you know, all these selfish things, these selfish desires about me, 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 what I want, what my flesh wants versus love gives away. Love is sacrificial. 
It's not about my own self. Love is joyful. Look at how it applies to the rest of the fruits of the Spirit here as well. We can sort of put this in in context. What is love? Love is joyful. Love is peaceful, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is good. Love is faithful. Love is gentle. Love is self-control. All these things can be, we can sort of modify that with the word love as well. All right. Next one. Anybody know what the next one is? Fruit of the Spirit. We got love, joy. There was um, an old song we used to sing at my church. Uh, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? Yeah, yeah, it was sort of a fun song we used to sing in the church. You know, and we keep on going back and forth. Where? Down in my heart, you know. So we used to do that quite often. Joy. Joy refers to something much deeper than happiness rooted in circumstances. This is really difficult for us as human beings, is it not? to be joyful in all circumstances, to count it all joy. Very difficult for us to do. That's why we can't just will it our own self, right? We can't do these things on our own. We have to be enabled by the Spirit of God. We see many instances of of, uh, examples like Paul and Silas uh, there in prison and singing joyfully. I mean, that's a, a great example there of, of being joyful in the midst of bad circumstances. I think we can look at our own personal lives as well. We can, you know, look at some of the trials and tribulations we've personally gone through and like, man, my attitude wasn't so great through that, you know? That was the flesh that was working inside of us as opposed to the spirit. Instead, joy speaks of a deep sense of contentment and pleasure in God and his ways. To count it all joy, being content, no matter where we're at in life. So, be that we are sick or ill, maybe we're out of work, or maybe, you know, there's a whole list of different circumstances we can list out there. The fruit of the Spirit, when it's working inside of us, will enable us to be joyful in spite of these bad circumstances. All right, the next fruit of the Spirit, and we're just quickly going through these. We got love, joy. What's the next one? Peace. If you have joy and you're content in your circumstances, you're more than likely going to have peace in your life as well, right? Peace should be understood in its loaded sense of cessation of hostilities with God. That's ultimately what peace we're looking for, right? That opposition to God, to actually be, you know, and uh, accept the will of God, which is happening inside of our lives, to have peace with God. Not only just peace with God, but with peace with other man, peace with our family, peace with with our friends, peace at work. You know, this should be our ultimate uh, goal in many of our circumstances, that there shouldn't be strife or envy 
but we should have peace. Peace on earth, right? Goodwill towards men. These are things we should be desiring for. Uh, Some people like to think of peace as the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict, or avoiding conflict altogether at all cost. That's not peace. We can look at, you know, if a, a nation is is uh, trying to avoid a conflict at all costs, yet it's enabling, you know, evil dictators. We saw this, you know, in example like World War II, Neville Chamberlain. You know, he said, hey, we will have what? Peace in our time. Yet that enabled Hitler to basically engulf all of Europe because they were backing down, backing down. They didn't want to actually have a direct conflict with Hitler at the time. One of the greatest blunders in history, just allowing Hitler to run rampant because they wanted nothing better than peace. Uh, there's reasons for that, and we could talk history all day, and uh, it's one of my loves and desires. But peace doesn't mean the absence of conflict, but we're able to go through conflict with that peace. All right, next one is we got love, joy, peace. What do we got? Patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. What's one of the, uh, the most dangerous prayers you can pray? Give me patience, Tom says. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give me patience. That can be a dangerous prayer. You just might get the, the opportunity and the challenge to... to enact patience in your life. Patience could refer to either remaining calm while waiting for something or enduring in the face of opposition or hardship. We live in a a very modern culture. I was reading about uh, some cathedral over in Spain, and it took five to six hundred years, and it recently was just finished. It took forever, brick by brick, stone by stone, generation upon generation. Just imagine starting out, you know, five to six hundred years ago. You're like, like, I see the cornerstone and I don't see much else, right? They don't see the the full cathedral in its glory at the very end, but they waited patiently knowing that the other generations would benefit from their labor there. They waited patiently, even though they didn't see it. We likewise, actually probably the exact opposite nowadays, we we are what, the microwave type of generation, right? If we don't see it right here, right now, you know, we're thinking when we, you know, When's, when's Will going to get done, you know, here on, after his sermon? we got to go eat real quick, you know. I'm hungry. I want that food. You know, let's just nuke that. We want everything now, you know. And sort of the, the, the commercialism that we live under, you know, sort of enables this, this fleshly desire in us, you know. Even simple, simple things that we didn't even think very much of, uh, like buying a car. Uh, anybody buy a car recently? No, yeah, it's too high, right? <laughs> oh, I see maybe somebody. <laughs> Jonathan, you bought a car recently? 
Okay, F-150. So one of my, I hate going to a dealership, right? I hate the process. It seems like I'm going to be there forever, right? But nowadays, you can, uh, I, I've seen apps where you can just go online, you know, tap, 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 you know, sign here, sign here, and they ship you the car right to your house. That sounds fantastic to me, right? I don't know how well that works, but um, we like our things right now, right? We don't want to go through those, those painful processes. Yet, I believe that many of these circumstances and times of struggle actually grow us. You know, do we want that microwave dinner? That doesn't sound too healthy or great, right? Or do we want that thing that, that we took time and labored and took uh, and processed, you know, and maybe even had a garden uh, out there to be able to, you know, pull up the carrots and the tomatoes. There's something satisfying, and even though a must that took time and effort and sweat to actually do to produce something healthy and of value. Likewise, you know, God puts us in circumstances that challenges us to be patient, to be long-suffering. All right, let's move on. Oh, I was about ready to give it away. What's our next fruit of the Spirit? Got love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness. Heard someone say kindness. Right. Kindness. Kindness has a sense of being helpful or beneficial to others often with the connotation of generosity, kindness there. That's sort of the, the root meaning of the word. Uh, you know, some people are more naturally inclined to be kind, uh, more outgoing, kind, willing to give, you know, the shirt off their back, these type of people that we love. Uh being an old uh, military sergeant, I mean, I think my, my kindness level has actually gone down, <laughs> you know. I'm used to directing and telling people what to do, you know, and them on, on order do that. Well, that doesn't work too well out with the family, right, with your wife, spouse, and kids. You can't just bark orders and expect them to, you know, on command do that. Uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the drill sergeant dad, you know. <laughs> you should listen to me. That work out, kids? No. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't listen to me. I don't think if I, if I was doing that, shouting out orders to them. It is amazing, though, when it comes to kindness. Uh, not that we do this to get our own way, but it is amazing that when we act generous or help others in in kindness, how receptive and willing they're do want to do something back for us. Right? It's sort of like this cycle. You know, we do something kind for someone. They want to do something kind back. It's just this, this great cycle that God has put in place uh, of kindness and generosity towards one another, as opposed to the exact opposite, you know, of kindness. You know, selfishness, wanting my own way, sort of mean. We don't like that, right? We don't like to, to be the guy, uh, you know, get off my lawn type of person. But kindness goes a long way. All right, let's move on from kindness. What do we have next? We got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. 
goodness. Sort of works hand in hand with kindness, right? All right, so the root meaning of the word goodness, it can be defined as positive moral quality characterized especially by interest in the welfare of others. So we see kindness, goodness sort of work hand in hand right here for the welfare and the, uh, by the interest and welfare of others. So we're not just looking after, you know, number one. Um, I, I remember seeing a, a movie a while back ago, and, uh, you know, it was about a football player, and, you know, he was looking after number one. He was looking for that big contract, right? Show me the money. He just, that's all he cared about. He didn't care about anything else. But, you know, getting what he deserved. We can fall into that trap often in our own lives of just looking after number one. And I think one of the key characteristics of a good church, a good healthy church, is are we good? Are we kind to one another? Are we looking after one another? You know, as we were trying to decide as elders some how to help and to think about John, you know, one of the things we thought is, you know, hey, why don't we call for prayer and fasting? This is, this is something that's good and kind, looking after uh, the urban family there. And we see this time and time again. This should be what we see in churches, looking after the welfare of one another. We don't just like, church is over, I'm out the door, you know, whatever, and then I come back next Sunday. We're looking after one another. We're building community. We want to see the best in each other and everyone to flourish and thrive and to love, ultimately, right? But love one another. We want these things inside of our church. Not to say that we are perfect, we're far from perfect, but uh, this should be something we strive and something that as the Spirit works inside of us that we become better and better and better and helping in kindness and goodness and welfare of one another. All right, next fruit of the Spirit, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Anybody want to try to take a stab of the meaning of faithfulness? See Gary chuckling back there. <laughs> loyal. Yeah, we think of loyalty. Yeah, absolutely, we think of loyal uh, loyalty. You know, we think of maybe like a. You know, our loyal dog, you know, he's always near us, beside us, you know, he doesn't want to leave us. Uh, that, that good old dog, he, you know, he's whining when you leave and he's jumping on you as soon as you return, you know. It doesn't matter, you know, if when you go, when you come, whatever the circumstance, they're always there for you, right? That loyalty, that good loyalty, a good dog, right, we're looking for. Faithfulness, likewise, uh, here's the, the definition uh, the Spirit works in the life of the Christian. He empowers us to remain faithful to Christ and to others. We're showing that loyalty, that faithfulness to one another, to Christ and to others. Fearfulness, the opposite of fearfulness.
Sure, yeah, there's elements of trust, right, when it comes to faithfulness there. We don't have good faith with one another if we don't have that trust with one another, right? You know, a marriage relationship ultimately is always a great uh, example for us to go to when it comes to faithfulness, right? Um, We can't trust our spouse if they are unfaithful, if they haven't shown themselves to be trustworthy in certain things. Um, and that can cause division and strife. Ultimately, we as a community of believers were to be faithful to one another and to God as well. And that means with with uh, with our you know when we come to church, when we give faithfully, when we you know um, there's all sorts of different ways we can show ourselves faithful inside this community context that we call church. Now, I'm not saying I, I need to sort of say, hey, every time we um, get together, you have to be here, right? You know, every church work day, you know, I've seen churches like this. Every church work day, you know, why weren't you there? You know, <laughs> you know we need to be careful. Ultimately, we want to encourage us to be faithful to one another, help one another out. And, and also what happens inside the church, the context of the church, is that... Uh, this will help us be faithful to Christ as well and his word, his obedience to his word. Ultimately, that's what we want to do. If we're living out the word in faithfulness, we're going to glorify Christ, and that's going to you know, encompass everything. It's going to encompass the people of God as well. All right, next, fruit of the Spirit. Got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I might run out of board space here. What's our next one? Gentleness. Gentleness refers to the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance, thus bringing together the ideas of humility, meekness, and consideration. Consideredness, consideration, gentleness. Um, I grew up, uh, my dad was a pastor, but uh, I grew up out in rural Colorado, uh, often on my grandfather's farm. And I would remember stories he would tell me of his father, my great-grandfather, early on in life, that... uh, my great-grandfather, to keep my grandfather from going to, to school, he would literally tie him down to the tractor, like with a rope. I'm like, wow, Grandpa, <laughs> that's pretty harsh. <laughs> you know, he's tiny. And he'd tell me all sorts of other stories. But my grandfather, because of his experience, he was sort of this, this uh, rough and grisly old guy, you know, somebody you didn't mess around with. Um, he wasn't very gentle. At all, you know, very harsh in many of his things. I I learned through experiences to uh, not mess around, not to, you know, uh, goof off, but I better be on the straight and narrow because uh, there was no mercy, there was no gentleness that I saw from him. You know, gentleness is, I think, something that some of us may struggle with. You know, we can be rough. We can be, you know, uh, a little short, especially with the ones that we love. 
our own families, our own um, church members, our friends. And it's usually, you know, the ones whom, who are closest to us, the ones that we hurt the most. You know, that flesh comes out more so. You know, I can look, uh, you know, go, man, that person's such a great person. But, you know, at home, they can be just this wicked, evil, ungentle, unloving, unkind person. And we don't want to show these two face sides. We don't want to live a double life. We want to exert gentleness, kindness to one another. The ideas of humility and meekness. Another dangerous prayer to pray, right, Tom? Yeah. Make me humble. Make me meek. Right? These God will give us examples or he will put us in those situations. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've had examples like that too, Tom, of uh, even pastors, well-known pastors out there. Like, man, that guy just, you know, that guy just, I mean, great expository preacher. Um, I won't name any names, but uh, there, there's this one well-known podcaster, um, and I went to a conference, and I went to his booth. I was, like, all excited to, to meet this podcaster and whatnot. And, you know, he seemed like a really great guy. And then I got there, and he's a pretty grumpy dude. I was like, what is wrong? And he sort of, like, put me off and, like, didn't give me the time of day to talk. And I'm like, why do you even have a booth? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I saw him later that evening at a restaurant, and he seemed the same. I'm like, man, this guy's either having a bad day or this is actually his temperament, you know? <laughs> I don't know for sure. But uh, we need to be careful with these things, right? We need to be gentle with one another. Have humbleness and meekness, considering others before ourselves. And then finally, one of the hardest ones. We got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. Sure. Right, yeah, that's a really good example there of thinking of, uh, you know, I think all of us have that sort of that, that maybe desire to like lash out, you know, and how do we, how do we overcome that? It's sort of like the, the big teddy bear type person. They have this ultimate power that they could lash out, destroy, you know, or do whatever. But yet God, walking through his spirit, calls us to kindness and gentleness. That's a good example. All right, last one, self-control. 
This refers to the ability to restrain one's emotions, desires, and actions. The old Stoics, um, this was one of their, their primary characteristics that they would try to um, enforce in their line of thinking, of self-control over everything, over your emotions, over your desires. You know, we think of, you know, a stoic figure nowadays, you know, sort of a straight face, you know, doesn't show much emotion on their face, doesn't get upset. But it's more than just, you know, out of our own willful thing through an ancient tradition to be self-control. But it's to restrain one's emotions, desires, and actions, these things that we want to do. And this can be tough, right? Some of us can have... uh, uh, anger issues, where, you know, that thing just, once it gets out, it's it's uncontrollable once that thing gets out, right? It's, uh, we can't stop it. It's sort of like, like something else is controlling us, as opposed to us being enabled by God and His Spirit to have self-control over these things. Uh, it can be all sorts of different things, right? We think of... Uh, our younger generation, or when we were younger, you know, thinking about, you know, crushes and, you know, our desire to, you know, go out with people. You know, these emotions were overwhelming, you know, and uh, we, we couldn't help stop thinking about them and wanting to be around them. And, you know, we, we didn't have that ability of self-control, like regulating, like, well, okay, you know, maybe spending, you know, 40 hours in the last three days probably wasn't the best. You know, I could have used my time. You know, all sorts of things you can think of. Um, A person who lacks self-control winds up in all sorts of problems in their lives. We see this time and time again in our society. We, We, you know, we have addictions rampant. I think, you know, our, our, our country and the West in general sort of feeds into these type of addictions, be it, you know, drugs and alcohol, gambling, you name it. You know, we have that desire. You've probably heard of the quote from Calvin time and time again, you know, our hearts are an idol factory. And when we have that idol out there, we have to follow it with everything we got. That's our thing where we lack self-control self-discipline to address those things. And this isn't just, um, hey, I can get better, I can do this. You know, if we actually do have problems with addictions or the lack of self-control with emotions, um, we need to have, we need to get help with that. And ultimately, that help comes from the Word of God. There can be outside help as well, for sure. There can be counseling or, or um, sometimes drug rehab or, or whatever it is. But ultimately, self-control, a true self-controlled person should be someone with the Spirit of God inside of them. Yes, sir.
right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's something we can look at at this list, right? Or any of the Pauline type of lists that he gives out in his epistles, you know. We can look at these lists, and I'll just wrap it up with this. This is a good point Tim is making. We can look at these things and say, I fell at this. I fell at that, you know. I'm a complete failure, especially if it's singular. We're supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to do all these things. But we also have to remember the grace of God that he gives us as well. You know, for every time that we lack self-control, every time where we're rough, every time we lack kindness, you know, our God is able. He is able to forgive, and he wants to forgive, and he wants us and desires for us to grow in him even more. That's why a big word I'll use for today is sanctification, our walk with Christ after salvation, right? Where it's not, hey, I'm perfect as soon as I become a Christian. That's not the case. It's this growth. And sometimes there's ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Ultimately, we want that trajectory going towards more of the holiness of God, looking and imitating him. That's our ultimate goal. But there will be times. Uh, what we worry about is when you know, we see no growth or we see regression or, or things like that inside of our life. Anyone else out there? Sure, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's times where we need to put our foot down, right, as well. There's times where there's time to battle and war and, and things like that, wrestle with the enemy. There's definitely times for that where... Uh, uh, maybe we're not as gentle. Maybe it's time in spiritual warfare when we're down on our knees. I mean, we're we're wrestling with spiritual things in nature, uh, for sure. Uh, application, real fast here. I got a couple minutes. A couple things I have for application is mortify mortify the flesh. Mortification, we don't hear that word too often anymore. Uh, It's one of the most neglected doctrines in the church. Mortification is what Paul was talking about when he told the Romans, consider yourselves dead to sin, Romans 6.11. It means putting sin to death. The spirit must battle sin to death. This isn't something we can do, but this is the spirit enables to do that. So if we have habitual sins, things that we wrestle and struggle with time and time again, We need to fight that to death, to the death. This isn't something we just entertain. This isn't something we just, you know, oh, it's just that little thing, and we sort of, you know, laugh it off. It's not that big of a deal. We need to wrestle this. We need to wrestle it to its death. If those who are walking in the Spirit, we ultimately will be victorious. And then a second application is keep in step with the Spirit. Does the list that Paul gives us in Fruits of the Spirit... Bear out in our own life. So it's a good thing. Hey, where am I failing at? What things, you know, does, the, does God need to work on me on? Um, so I encourage you, I'll, I'll bypass this, but I encourage everyone, uh, if you don't know, uh, the fruits of the Spirit's a good thing to memorize, keep it on our hearts and our minds. With that, we are dismissed.